Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. Ezekiel was a priestly prophet of judgment and hope. His message to the exiles in Babylon still speaks to hurting and broken people in need of of a God-given second chance. And you might recall that Jerusalem's destruction and its people's deportation to Babylon caused some to question God's ability to save and his commitment to his covenants. And Ezekiel interpreted these events in light of God's character. That's a good thing to remember. Because, my friends, when we interpret events in light of God's character, Jesus' example of humility challenges us to live lives of unselfish unity. Welcome back, and uh, I'm glad you're with us on today's part of our journey through the Bible, reading through every bit of it with the big picture in mind and doing it just keeping it real kind of way, including keeping our life and work stories in light of that big picture. And today's going to take a turn relative to the next couple weeks, doing it in light of something really practical, (laughs) which is the fact that your gracious podcast host got married a couple days ago. So starting tomorrow, we're going to do something a little different. We're just going to read through whole books so I can get them ready to cover me for while I'm on the honeymoon. And uh, I hope you like the way we're going to tackle it. It'll be a little different. That means today we finish up both our Old Testament and New Testament segments, and we're going to begin with our Old Testament segment for the sake of today's continuity. I hope you hear how this kind of flows. The end of the book of Ezekiel. The prophet describes life with God among the restored remnant. God will build a new temple you heard about at the kind of beginning of chapter 40, 41, and fill it with his glory. And now today it's going to close up with the finishing of this orderly worship restored. And as it closes, well, that actually means more measurements of the land. But it also ends with the most profound city name ever. Don't miss the very last line because it feeds into our next section. Ezekiel 47, picking up in verse 13. This is what the Lord God says. This is the border you will use to divide the land as an inheritance for the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph will receive two shares. You will inherit it in equal portions since I swore to give it to your ancestors. So this land will fall to you as an inheritance. This will be the border of the land. And then he goes on to describe exactly what the north, east, south, and west sides are bordered on. Various seas and rivers and that kind of thing. It's going to be the last of our verbal skimming for a while. You are to divide this land among yourselves according to the tribes of Israel. You will allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and... For the aliens residing among you, who have fathered children among you, you will treat them like native-born Israelites. Along with you, they will be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. In whatever tribe the alien resides, you will assign his inheritance there. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Last chapter, 
the tribal allotments. Now these are the names of the tribes. From the northern end along the road of Hethlon to Labohamoth as far as Hazar Anon, at the northern border of Damascus alongside Hamath and extending from the eastern side to the sea, will be Dan, one portion. Next to the territory of Dan from the east side to the west will be Asher, one portion. Now it repeats that exact same thing. Naphtali, Manasseh, Ephraim, Reuben, and Judah. Next to the territory of Judah from the east side of the west will be the portion you donate to the Lord, eight and a third miles wide, and as long as one of the tribal portions from the east side to the west, the sanctuary will be in the middle of it. Remember that. The sanctuary will be in the middle of it. The special portion you donate to the Lord will be eight and a third miles long and three and a third miles wide. This holy donation will be set apart for the priests alone. It will be eight and a third miles long on the northern side, three and a third on the western, three and a third on the eastern, eight and a third on the southern. And the Lord's sanctuary will be in the middle of it. It is for the consecrated priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept my charge and did not go astray as the Levites did when the Israelites went astray. It will be a special donation for them out of the holy donation of the land, a most holy place adjacent to the territory of the Levites. Next to the territory of the priests, the Levites will have a place, same kind of dimensions. They must not sell it or exchange any of it, and they must not transfer this choice part of the land, for it is holy to the Lord. The remaining area, one and two-thirds mile wide and eight and a third miles long, will be for common use by the city both for residential and open space. The city will be in the measurement, in the middle of it, and the measurements are a mile and a half on the north, south, east, and west. The city's open space will extend 425 feet to the north, south, east, and west. The remainder of the length alongside the Holy Donation will be three and a third miles to the east, three and a third to the west. It will run alongside the Holy Donation. It will produce food for the workers of the city, the city's workers from all the tribes of Israel will cultivate it. This entire donation will be eight and a third by eight and a third miles. You are to set apart the holy donation along with the city property as a square area. The remaining area on both sides of the holy donation and the city property will belong to the prince. He will own the land adjacent to the tribal portions next to the eight and a third miles of the donation as far as the eastern border and the next next to the eight and a third miles of the donation as far as the western border, the holy donation and the sanctuary of the temple will be in the middle of it. Except for the Levitical property and the city property in the middle of the area belonging to the prince, the area between the territory of Judah and that of Benjamin will belong to the prince. As for the rest of the tribes, from the east to the west, Benjamin, Simeon, Issachar, Zebulun, and Gad. Next to the territory of Gad, Toward the south side, the border will run from Tamar of, to the waters of the Meredith, Meribath Kadesh to the brook of Egypt out of, to the Mediterranean Sea. This is the land you are to allot as an inheritance to tr Israel's tribes, and these will be their portions. This is the declaration of the Lord God. All right, my friends, catch this last little piece. These are the exits of the city. On the north side, which measures one and a half miles, there will be three gates facing north. The gates of the city will be named for the tribes of Israel, Reuben, Judah, and Levi. On the east, same kind of dimensions, Joseph, Benjamin, and Dan. South side, 
Simeon, Issachar, Zebulun, Westside, Three Gates, Gad, Asher, Naphtali. Now here we go. The perimeter of the city will be six miles and the name of the city from that day on will be the Lord is there. The Lord is there. My friends, the new name of the city will be Yahweh Shema as a testimony of God's eternal presence among his people. Do you remember what we had back in Genesis 1 and 2, but, but lost? Yahweh Shema. What is the ultimate blessing in the final restoration and transformation of Revelation 21 and 22? Yahweh Shema. Do you remember what Emmanuel means when speaking of the coming Messiah fulfilled in Jesus' first coming, Advent? God with us. Yahweh Shema. And of course, he's still with us, indwelling us via the Holy Spirit until he returns, which is the reality that Paul writes to the Philippians about. How we live now in light of what we know to be true for eternity. Now, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul reminded them that God can and will use our afflictions to further the gospel and exalt the Lord. My friends, life is not without purpose right here and now, even when it's imperfect and struggling, right? Quite the opposite. We should live exemplary lives in the face of our own afflictions. So now what? When we interpret events in light of God's character, Jesus' example of humility challenges us to live lives of unselfishness and unity. Philippians chapter 2. If then... There is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should not look to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him a name, the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work 
according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run for or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very eager to send him, so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and hold people like him in honor, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. In addition, my brothers and sisters, Rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is, that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal, or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, 
because I also have taken hold, been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. And they focus on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we, we eagerly await for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. So then, my dearly loved and longed-for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, in this manner, Stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. And I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, 
I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, and an acceptable offering pleasing to God, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Ah, my friends, Jesus is an example of humility. When we interpret, when my friends, when we interpret events in light of God's character, Jesus' example of humility challenges us to live unselfish lives in unity with one another. Right? We can't gain it by our works. It's found only in faith in Christ. So we should always rejoice, not worrying, but praying keeping our minds fixed on good thoughts. When we interpret events in light of God's character, Jesus' example of humility challenges us to live lives of unselfishness and unity. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen. <laughs>